<laughs> hmm. <laughs> Leave that part in. <laughs> Julian's considering. All right, welcome back. We we decided we wanted to um, follow up the style of picks we did before with a new one this time, themed after Halloween, because that's the that's today. This no, it's not. That's next week. I'm already flubbing this intro. When this <laughs> All releases. right, listen, 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 listen. Neither listen, of those listen, is true. Listen. We released on Thursdays. Let's cut just the, start over. Fucking cut the shit. Cut the shit. That's right, Jeff. We all cut mix up shit. the days sometimes. Welcome yeah. back <laughs> to the Hex Drinkers podcast. I'm your host, Jules. I'm joined by Oak. Yo. And Chef. Yo. And we are a longtime playgroup during the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. And today, in the hopes of both spookifying our game and yours because as we just found out apparently this podcast comes out on a thursday and in uh three days days, uh one two three it's halloween's a monday uh we start on midnight though julian so it's more like three days then it's not you don't release on thursday then if we are releasing it at midnight on thursday julian don't let me interrupt your intro you're doing great anyway anyway yeah halloween's coming up right so we figured we'd Talk about Halloween, okay? Because it's fall, bitches, and we love spooky season. Hashtag get your pumpkin spice lattes. Whatever. I couldn't have said it better myself, Julian. <laughs> anyway, we're doing um, we're doing a kind of theme chill picks this time around. We have the Hex Drinkers Halloween Spooktacular, uh, similar to our Unfinity set review. I will be your your host um, this evening, where we have two fine individuals who didn't get team names this time, so we'll call them. Wolfman and the Mummy. I'll let you decide amongst yourselves who you want to be. <laughs> We're going classic monsters on this one. Uh, we have five categories where each person, including myself, will give a pick of their favorite card or favorite cards that fit that category. And the person with the most points at the end wins and becomes the 2022 Pumpkin King. Have you decided who's going to be Wolfman? That's me. I'm, All right. I'm fine with that. <laughs> that sounds like we got uh, Julian as Wolfman and Oak as the Mummy. Uh, our coming categories are Creature that should get their own classic black and white monster movie. And it must include lore as to why. The second category will be for a card that most reminds you of a classic horror movie. We're thinking of these 1930s Universal monster movies or 80s slasher, if that's the direction people took. Uh, describing the perfect Halloween-themed commander deck, the best tribe on Innistrad, and finally, designing a horror movie or character secret layer. Gentlemen, are you ready for your pick categories? Uh, yes, sir. Engines. Uh, Chev, are you also going to be participating in this, giving examples for each of the categories? Uh, yes. So okay. I will. I will also be um, providing ones. I'll. I'll jump in first. I will go by the moniker Dracula because I'm just <laughs> thinking of the three the three 1930s black and white movies I saw at the uh, the drive-in last year. They they left an impression. If you can tell. <laughs> did, did, did you? Oh, insults. Anyway, that's a that's a minus one for Wolfman going into round one. <laughs> I already I already assumed I wasn't going to lose this one. <laughs> <laughs> he's accepted defeat. Uh, yeah. He's only he's only strong at night and under a full moon. So, for the first category of cards. Creature that should get their own classic black and white monster movie. Um, I picked the Gitrog monster. So we covered the Gitrog lore in our episode 41 of the Innistrad story review, kind of leading into the Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow we got last year. But 
what really made me think that the Gitrog monster would make a really good movie is I'm thinking, you know, we're at the beginning of moving pictures. We don't have a lot of special effects. So we're really going to focus on humans really telling the story of these monsters. And I, I kept coming back to this episode of The Twilight Zone called The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, which is all about the mass psychosis of a town trying to think like, who are the aliens or the body snatchers among us? So for those of you who don't know the Gitrog monster lore, he's kind of a giant scary version of Hypnotoad, uh, where looking into his eyes, you immediately fall to the Gitrog charm. Um, but he's also terrorizing a village and convincing the villagers to kind of give him sacrifices, escalating in size from sheep to humans. Um, so that's kind of going into this. I think you could make a really good movie here with like that the villagers kind of turning on each other, trying to figure out like who has been hypnotized by the toad, who hasn't been kind of casting them into the lake. Uh, and then finally we'll end it with a great stop motion reveal of the Gitrog monster himself in this janky fashion of a giant frog moving at like one frame a second. And I think that would be the, the perfect way to end it. So that's my take for classic monster. Oh, I saw you, or, or I'm sorry, the mummy. I saw you making some, some faces about halfway through there. I was just, I, I was just wondering where you could have possibly gotten your inspiration for a hypnotizing toad from. <laughs> uh, I said hypno toad. Oh, you did? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, must, I led with that. Don't think bad. don't think I forgot. Minus one to mummy. So boom. Great, we're we're, we're okay. even so, again. Uh, right. we're even Wolfman. at negative one. <laughs> yeah, we're both at negative one. Great. Wolfman, give us give us your pick for a black and white monster movie. My pick is uh Gallo Braid. Now okay. I don't know if y'all know this card because it's I, I don't even know what the set symbol is. Um but it's a uh it doesn't matter what it is, okay? It's all based on the art. Uh, if you guys would kindly pull up the art, check that out. Um, Galibrate is, is, uh, Ooh, weatherlight. it's right in that, that, uh, perfect spot where the art was starting to get realistic and could get, uh, menacing and kind of scary, but still had a bit of that jank of the early, mm-hmm. you know, sets of magic, uh, where the, the pentagrams and stuff were almost, uh, comical. And I really could see this similar to how you were saying about the Hypnotoad, uh, coming out and being uh, like, maybe like some old school claymation where they're, you know like making a set like that. Yeah. Um, I could see Galibrade moving in a similarly uh, janky way to uh, the models that they had for things like old Godzilla movies, um, or even if we're going to extend a little bit further into the future, um, the stuff they did for like the alien movies and such. Um, mm. It's just horrifying enough uh, that it can kind of function as that. I was thinking this would be, uh, you know, sort of a standard plot, but just the classic thing that you need to get uh the, the movie to actually exist, uh, a mutant escaped in a lab, and now the all the scientists are, are trying to hide and uh, escape while this thing is hunting them down. Um, you know, since we're probably working with some primitive technology, a lot of the uh, a lot of the horror will be in the sound design, hearing things move mm-hmm. in and around, maybe moving through uh, the pipes, um, and uh, also then seeing bits and pieces of the monster until finally we get like you said that one big reveal where all of a sudden now it actually kills somebody and we're like okay now now we have now we have a real issue on our hands i definitely was heavily influenced by um not only things like the alien movie um but also thinking of the spooky stuff of like a 28 days later um which is a more contemporary sort of film but uh the idea is the same and galibrade is a card that i've known about for a long time and every time i see it it is weirdly unsettling and i think it would i think it would make there's a a, a there's a pair of them right there's like two creatures that look similar with cumulative upkeep that are like legendary 
nasties i think from from the set i i don't know the the specific i don't know uh, the either the other one either but i, I think magic you're right. lore but yeah so two of them kind of nasty probably weird mutant experiments from phyrexia um the mummy what you um, got well, I, I just wanted to make a comment on Galibrade. Uh, I, I think part of the reason why it looks so creepy is uh, because, unlike most magic art, it seems to be staring directly at you. Ooh, that's Like true. the player, which I mm -hmm. think is pretty cool. Um, that is cool. A good point. So, uh, now I'll come back with mine. Uh, my card uh, that I picked for a creature that should get their own black and white monster movie is Erdwall Ripper. I, I think I brought this up. I don't remember. It might have been in, like, a flashback set review of uh, Innistrad or something like that. But mm. uh, a creature that I whose art's uh, done very well, I, I'd say, by Kev Walker, um, uh, depicts this, like, very looming, like, shadowy, lanky figure. Um, and I think uh, just the art and the flavor text on this card pretty much write out the story or as it would play uh, mm -hmm. for itself. Uh, so to read that, uh, savage vampires lurk in the Erdwall's network of passageways where prey's plentiful and easy to catch. So Ooh, okay. uh, in this story, we have, um, you know, uh, probably like a New York City thriller uh, where there's some dark figure. Well, OK, not New York City, but if it's going to take place in Magic's plane, you know, um, Erdwall. New Capenna. <laughs> Erdwall, um, Erdwall, yeah, or something like that, uh, lurks in the cities of, I don't know, Ravnica, <laughs> kidnapping people <laughs> that are walking about at night, and then some, you know, crew uh, launches an investigation and starts, uh, you know, getting taken out one by one until the main protagonist maybe finally kills it by luring it out into the sunlight uh, and mm -hmm. causing it to evaporate since it, it looks like it, I mean, it looks like it's made out of, like, pure shadow. Um, I, sort of, uh, speaking to that design, I, I think it would work very well in sort of an old movie setting because it's got a very simple yet effective design. Uh, it's a humanoid, so you could easily get someone to sort of, like, dress mm -hmm. up in that. Um, uh, a shadow plays a big part in it, so you could just have its shadow and sort of that, like, long-stretching figure appear, um, mm, you know, in, okay. in certain camera shots around corners and stuff. Um... And, yeah, if you're relying on those sort of old practical effects, uh, I, I think this would be a very uh, simple um, okay. but compelling monster to... I know it's supposed to be a... I know it's supposed to be, like, a vampire, but this is really giving me, like, a combination of Slenderman and Freddy Krueger vibes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole bit. shadowing thing. I, I, I really think... And this is a point we, we've beat to exhaustion, um, but since I'm MC here, I'll beat it again. Mm. Um... The, the lore that we were able to get for the first time visiting these planes where we had an entire block really gets stretched out into new and interesting places. Like, we know there are different types of vampires on Innistrad. And so seeing ones that are really more um, mystical in their kind of abilities, becoming shadows, doing those other classic Dracula things and less corporeal figures is very cool and, and giving a lot of different areas for... Uh, future sets and future ideas to jump off of. Uh, and it, this also reminds me of how many times it's sets from pre-2010 like 10, where the flavor text references specific individuals that then become the legendary creatures of today. Uh, we don't see that as much within the last few years, I think. So I, I believe between these two, it's going to come down to, to personal bias. And I, I think that I'm going to have to go with the um, Gallobrade. I really like the the sort of monster movies of this like 
lurking mutant figure, especially thinking of the Alien movies and kind of the the art from Carl uh, Critchlow that shows a creature and being similar to Alien, especially like staring right at it. I think that works really well, especially with the the limitations, even easier than the shadows. But I think both of these were really, really awesome um, takes and of, of a similar design of, you know, picking off that like very, very classic horror movie where you can kind of, you never know who's going to uh, be lost next. So that is one point to Wolfman, but we're going to introduce something that I just thought of right now because why not? And those are bonus points. Now you only get them if one of you gets it right. Uh, the person who lost will have the option to go first do you know what the best substance for blood was in black and white movies mummy uh do, are okay um well i really don't honestly i i don't know this factually so i'm just gonna uh go with my best possible guess i'm gonna say ketchup Ooh, close but not quite <laughs> Wolfman, do you have a um, do you want to double or nothing this this first question of the game? <laughs> oh God, the way you phrase it, it has to be something funny. And you said ketchup was close. Don't read too much into to my MC responses oh, okay. to that. <laughs> so like, it's not ketchup. Is all you should take from ketchup <laughs> being a guess. Fair enough. Um, I want to say it's got to be like oil or something. It's black and white, so as long as it it has that that dark color, it should function mm -hmm. fine, right? So you're on the you're on the right track. Um, point goes to no one, but fun fact: it's chocolate. Melted chocolate has the best consistency, similar to blood. And huh. I think the problem with ketchup is when it's put through black and white. One, it doesn't look the right color, and I think it might be too shiny. And uh, I think it might be something similar with oil, mm. where like if lights are on it, it reflects in a weird way. But chocolate was actually <laughs> the best one, and when we went to color. It was much harder to find something, and granted, that let people be more artistic with what blood looks like. But chocolate was the number one stand-in for for those early movies. Just imagine if you had to be like the I don't know the first like damsel in distress victim, and they're just like, okay, so now uh, we've got this fondue pot, and we're just gonna dump it on you. <laughs> you just had it in your mouth. You're just like, and... yeah, that would be like it drips out <laughs> so, of the corner when you're sorry. shot or something. Yeah, just it's like sorry, guys. It was too good. I, 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 I swallowed it. I think we're going to need some more. Like, I'm sorry. Yep. Should, should we just turn this into... I, I've decided we're going to. Another fun fact, because why not? Um, in the original Alien movie, do you guys remember the scene where the guy is on the table and the alien first comes out of him? Mm. Yeah. Hello, my baby. Um, hello. Sorry. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's either that one or when the android dies. Um, I think it actually is, is when the android dies, because like one of the crew is actually a, a robot. Um, mm. but like this, what spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> this milky substance comes out of his mouth. Um, and it was actual milk, but <laughs> the person before the take had left the milk out for like two days. And so what's in his mouth is actually like rotten milk. And they had to do like so many takes with it just like dripping out before they really realized. So oh. that's your, that's your gross fact of the night following up chocolate. Um, yes. moving into the second category, cause we do. Come on, you guys can't keep distracting us like this. So our, our previous one was for you guys to come up with an idea for a horror movie um, on a card. But given movies that already exist, what card most reminds you of an existing horror movie? So I picked a really easy one for this, and it goes into my namesake for the episode, uh, Dracula. I think that the base art of Edgar Charmed Groom, um, you know, since there's three versions of everything now, 
really reminds me of what Bella Lugosi looks like in the original 1931 Dracula. And unfortunately, that's not quite a compliment. Um, Edgar Charm Groom has this like Jeez. little bit of a, a, a bend to him, and he looks like a little bit gnarly. Um, and one of the things, I think it was more later in the career, that uh, Bella Lugosi struggled with um, substance addiction, particularly morphine. And it led to a couple like weird takes in movies. And I, I, I don't know what it was, but when I saw Dracula for the first time, a lot of his actions seemed very delayed in certain ways and there's this one scene where he's kind of crouched over and van helsing the classic vampire hunter puts like asks him if he wants a cigarette and holds a a cigarette box with a mirror in front of him and of course (laughs) vampires don't have reflections and it's there for a solid 10 seconds before (laughs) bella lugosi just slaps it out of his hand and says i hate mirrors you're like all right that's a interesting take for this um we kind of get what's going on here but just that sort of attitude and weirdness reminds me exactly of how edgar is during the crimson vow um story which reminder for those who don't remember olivia brings uh edgar olivia valderin brings edgar markov out of his crypt to marry the like eight thousand year old bastard and combine all their their vampire families soren gets mopey about it but Edgar just like has this crotchety old man vibe the whole time. And it comes across kind of like how this original sort of like supposed to be seductive Dracula comes across and in the modern day. And it's just very humorous to me. But if you want to watch the original Dracula, I think it's free on Peacock or other places. It's a good hour and 30 minutes of your time. <laughs> Jeez. Interesting. Yeah, Ed- Edgar Edgar in Crimson Vow uh, was... A far cry from Edgar when he got his original commander printing. Yeah, they're like, we'll nerf him in both spirit and functionality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. They nerfed his enthusiasm, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, they're like, all right, I'm awake for this, but He was like, you barely. kids get off my lawn, and by yeah. that I mean get <laughs> off my uh, coffin, I don't know. All right, mommy, what, uh, what, what card do you got? All right, so uh, the pick for me uh, is the card Grotesque Mutation. Uh, another common, weird, I don't know where I'm pulling all these commons out of, uh, that I just think about, but, uh, the card Grotesque Mutation depicts a person's hand, or once was a person, uh, who has been yeah, mutated by... less person. <laughs> yeah, mutated by, uh, Eldrazi, uh, presence, most likely Emrakul's, uh, into having sort of, like, tendrils, uh, this sort of, like, veiny disposition, and of the, the kicker on all this, uh, a gigantic mouth in the middle of, of uh, its hand. So, besides, you know, Datara from Naruto, uh, the first thing that this reminds me Good of more. is uh, <laughs> The Thing, which is, uh, I don't know if, if I have to explain the plot of The Thing, but it is essentially about uh, a sort of, like, alien or unknown um, creature that uh, terrorizes a... A group of men in an Antarctic base by essentially um, mimicking and sort of uh, body snatching them. Yeah. And in particular, uh, one scene, it re- the one scene it reminds me of, which I think everyone <laughs> will remember, is um, when <laughs> the guy goes to um, administer the defibrillator to another guy who's like seizing, and uh, his ch- sort of like chest and stomach open up to a giant mouth that, like, bites the guy's hands that was trying to defibrillate defer- him, so I can see this sort of happening, like, 
oh, like, how are you doing? Like, go to shake your hand, and then it's like, ah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, oh, um, that, that scene is, is so classic, know, too, because yeah. it's one of the best examples of practical effects beating out, um, you know, what, what digital can really do. Because I think they tried to redo it in the CGI version of the thing that came out in, like, 2013, yep. and it really just doesn't hit the same way as that entire sequence in the break room. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, that's my pick. Uh, let's see what the Wolfman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my pick is Demon Male Hauberk, uh, which is an uncommon, I guess. It's not a common, but um, this uh, this gives me a lot of vibes. Uh, not only do I think it reminds me hugely of the Hellraiser and Pinhead, who's the uh, like the mm-hmm. villain of that one, but it's just it's just got like a classic horror look to it. It is uh, Demon Male Hauberk is essentially like the flavor text is it comes off as easily as your own skin, um, but uh, <laughs> the the look of it is very Hellraiser, the very like uh you know chained leather straps and then mm-hmm. pieces of the um pieces of the armor are actually kind of stuck into this poor unfortunate soul who has this on and are sticking out like all the spikes that uh uh pinhead has on and then there's like a big like kind of uh almost um silence of the lambs uh face mask thing who's who's the Hannibal Lecter um yeah yep yeah kind of face mask thing on the top part it's just really gnarly um and uh, it's kind of hits that perfect spot between this is just unsettling and kind mm-hmm. of cloaked in shadow. And then also he's bleeding profusely from his arm. So you get that blood and gore stuff as well. <laughs> that chocolate. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's so a lot I, of chocolate. That's that dark I, I, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to ask because I did the same thing. At some point, like when we were setting up for this horror pod, did you ever just search sets or like block Innistrad and scroll through? Because that's definitely where I started, like, before I, <laughs> I, I thought a lot. I was like, block, um, which you can do on Scryfall if you don't remember the set codes for everything. And that doesn't help so much anymore, but I did, like, block ISD, and that gives you the whole original Innistrad block, or block SOI, and that gives you the second set. But, yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I did do that as well as, um, uh, <laughs> stay you know stereotyping one of the one of the one of the the types of mana but i was just like give me all the legendary creatures in black yeah just mono black <laughs> that was i i did that too later on um oh man these are both really cool and i like how they they step away from what i was really thinking which was the monsters and these are like are parts of the horror movies i i think i have to give this one to to uh the mummy because i do really really enjoy that that thing sequence and if, if any of our listeners are familiar with uh, Corridor Crew, they do this show on YouTube called VFX Artists React, and they have a great mm. breakdown of the Thing movies side by side. Um, you know, what makes the physical one work? Why does it feel so much more visceral and, like, you know, gut-clenching than when you do the same thing with CGI and, like, how the two can compare? Uh, it, it's a really cool breakdown for people who know what they're talking about. For this question's uh, I really bonus gotta go question, back and watch that. Yeah, I'm gonna oh. go back and watch that. We'll we'll have a thing session um, <laughs> when when you guys are out here in November for sure. Bet. Uh, crazy horror movie night for our for our extra question um, for this question. First, we'll ask Wolfman what classic horror movie features both the thing and the movie it's based on, or should I say, what classic horror franchise features a a brief scene with a uh, the thing playing? And uh, another movie in the series has a clip of, I think it's the it, the thing from outer space is like the 1954 movie that the 1980 John Carpenter one is based on. Does that question kind of make sense? 
so so there so there is a classic horror film that during classic the film, horror franchise during franchise. one of the films they show mm -hmm. the thing that came from outer space and then in another film in the franchise they show the thing hmm i frankly have no idea so i'm gonna throw a guess and i'm going to go with the uh friday the third friday the 13th mm. series that is incorrect okay right. did you say it was a movie uh series or yes a movie franchise movie where franchise. one of the movies shows a clip from the thing from outer space and another movie in the franchise shows a clip from the thing um I'm gonna I I imagine the I envision this being like someone watching something on TV or something mm -hmm. like that uh and they see it um only a couple franchises come to mind so I'm just gonna go with Die Hard I guess Ooh. <laughs> Unfortunately that is that is incorrect I was I was trying to say Wait the, I thought it was classic, a horror movie Yeah I said the classic horror oh, okay. franchise oh. um when I did it <laughs> <laughs> Home Alone for the, for the Wet Bandits. It's a it's a horror franchise. Uh, the the correct answer is Halloween. In the uh, original Halloween movie, they're watching a clip of it on the TV, and then in the most recent one that came out last weekend, Halloween Ends, um, they show a clip from The Thing, which super cool Easter egg that it relates back to the first movie. Uh, if only it had taken more inspiration in terms of plot. So we're stuck at at one one. Moving into our, our third uh, written down question that you guys prepared for and I didn't spring on you. This would be describing the perfect Halloween themed commander deck with the idea being, you know, a new set of precons has come out kind of like we do the episodes on the show. Uh, what are a couple, what are, what is a deck that could kind of embody a theme of Halloween and do it in a cool and interesting way. So for me, I, I was stuck between a couple different ones for a long time, but I eventually figured out that I wanted to do one on Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos. Now, this is a, a legendary from Neon um, Dynasty. Neon yes. Dynasty. Mm -hmm. Destiny? God, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's, di I'm, it's Dynasty. I'm pretty don't, sure it's Don't dynasty. be fooled. I, I'm saying Destiny for too long. It's a Dynasty, um, and I'm, I'm not changing my mind. This it's is why we have said coats, Chev. <laughs> a legendary d demon um, from there. And I, I, I was really liking the, the card design. You know, super powerful demon sacrifices creatures to kind of get card advantage and then casting cards from exile to deal damage equal to their converted mana cost. Um, on its on its top level, it doesn't really come across as a big horror thing, but something we haven't seen enough recently, I think, especially on Innistrad, is demons that kind of exemplify how demons are shown in modern media. And I really like how Hidetsugu could be taken between the two abilities to really... Uh, hone in on these like evil presence ideas uh, things we've seen in like the exorcism or hereditary is probably the the most um relevant example or even in the recent film smile where you have this like demonic presence that convinces people to perform acts of violence against themselves or others uh, and i really like that with hitetsugu's first ability you know tapping a black to sacrifice a creature and scry two and that was really the idea of like people are being sacrificed to this deity uh so the deck that i wanted to make here is Hidetsugu at the front, backed up by a ton of active treason effects to kind of possess our opponent's creatures on behalf of the Lord of Chaos and then sacrificing them to kind of grow their power. Uh, eventually, once this demon has had enough souls kind of feed it, we can win with something like Blood for the Blood God, dealing 
13 damage to all of our opponents when cast off the top of our library, as well as the 8 that the spell is going to do itself. Um, or anything else that has a, a reduction like Emrakul, Molten Monstrosity, Avatar of Fury, kind of using our opponent's creatures to get those to the tippy top, and then casting them for those massive amounts of damage. Uh, you know, really, really hell on earth themes. But I love the idea of taking a demon that, you know, was less what we usually see in magic, which demons are kind of shown off as, you know, um, maximum reward for maximum cost. And in this case, it's, you know, a, a being of immense power that is kind of coming into existence and wrecking havoc. So that that's what I went with. Um, Wolfman, how about you? Or uh, we, we got something from the mummy. I just wanted to uh, make a brief comment on that, uh, Chev. I, I think I know what you mean about... Uh, uh, to me, it seems like demons are always a very strong physical presence in magic. Mm -hmm. Like, they always have huge bodies. They're always depicted as these, like, you know, buff, you know, muscular, yeah. gigantic dudes. But it's just like, we don't, we don't really get a lot of demons that are kind of just like, you know, tricky and like yeah. mystical and magical. Uh, like you said, I think... Uh, hereditary is a good sort of example of that just existing in the <laughs> background. That's that's what that's one of the worst ones I've seen. And then I, I actually just saw Smile last weekend, and that was not not a demon, but the the form of that thing. Ugh. Mm. Anyway, mm -hmm. Wolfman, what uh, what what Halloween precon are you bringing to the I'm table? A, I really I really I really like what you did there, Chev, and I think that's actually a deck that you could like actually make and uh, would be pretty cool. Uh, which is I not was mine excited at for all. It. So <laughs> not, that's not mine at all. So uh, okay. when you said. Halloween-themed commander deck, I took it in slightly a different direction. I'm talking about, <laughs> this is themed around the holiday of Halloween and the practices that we're, we're working into this. We and this is very candy much, food tokens? This is very much uh, theme over functionality and also a lot of just big, splashy cards. Uh, so true to the original commander precon spirit, um, <laughs> there's a lot of colors that I want to be playing, namely all of them. So I thought mm -hmm. that the only proper five-color commander to head this would be the Reaper King himself. Uh, we're going to have all of your classic Halloween monsters. So Frankenstein, who I'm thinking is probably going to be someone like Grim Grim. Uh, Dracula can be any version of Baron Sengir or any version of Edgar Markov as well. And we're going to have all of demons, all the demons. I'm thinking the whole Liliana crew. Plus, we can put uh, Liliana's contract in there, so we actually have a way to win the game. Uh, we need some ghosts, so we can have the various incarnations of the Orzov Ghost Council, plus Cryptgast. Uh, we're gonna need some werewolves, so Tovalar can get in there. We can even we can even put Ulrich in there, you know, because he's just he, he's big and spooky. Uh, we can put some curses in there, um, uh, things like Living Death, and then here's where I was really trying to trying to get outside my element. Uh, obviously, there's a card Jack O' Lantern, and there's a card Hollows All Hollows Eve, uh, but there's also a card Spy Kit. Uh, and Conspiracy and Xenograft and Maxwood and I really want Maxwood Nexus and I really wanted to play into the idea of uh, dressing up right Spy Kit Ooh, this, this creature okay. has all the names of all creature cards or Conspiracy Xenograft all these creatures have all these different creature types and also since we're going to be putting in a lot of like kind of big tribal payoffs this will mm -hmm. give some some functionality uh, across the board um, Bacon to a Pie uh, one, this is a trick and a treat. We're killing an opponent's creature and getting a food token. Also, uh, an allusion to Hansel and Gretel, which I think is kind of like an OG horror story, really. Um, back in the day, all those like uh, <laughs> children's tales were actually just horrifying if you think about them. <laughs> and um, finally, of course, revel in riches. Let's get uh, all the treats for doing all the tricks. Killing stuff and then getting nice tasty treasures. And then once again, this is a way to actually win the game. So yes, my, my Halloween as a holiday commander deck we saw some faces from the the mummy during that um 
What? He always gives what? me faces. It's fine. It's, it's <laughs> pay no attention. Um. So yeah. Um. That, that's a that's a really great idea, I think, for a commander, Julian. Um, and uh, I actually also picked the Reaper King, though. <laughs> I took it in a completely different direction. And bear Ooh, in mind, yeah, there's no way yeah. I could have possibly known this because Julian's notes are not even up as we're doing this podcast. Uh, nor did he uh, reserve the Reaper King in the main notes. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, the Wolfman's always had a bit of a wild streak. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so... Well, I thought the uh, whole idea was that we were going to come in with our own ideas. I didn't think there was going to have to be any... I didn't think we were going to have to fight for space here. Fair enough. But let's hear, let's hear what this other uh, Reaper yeah, yeah, so, is doing. Um, yeah, mine, mine I took in certainly a, a completely opposite direction. Um, hmm. So there's two main components to this deck. Uh, the first one is... Um, I, I've always thought the Reaper King was really cool, uh, and I like his uh, effect of uh, whenever another Scarecrow comes into play under your control, mm. you get to vindicate something. Um, so, Scarecrow's pretty underrepresented tribe in Magic, let's be real. Um, and obviously we're going to want to play some of these, because even the worst Scarecrow with Reaper King on the battlefield is still a Vindicate. And now, obviously, uh, we'll, we'll be able to supplement the Scarecrows a little bit with some Changelings, which across Magic's history are equally and oftentimes more spooky than uh, I'd say the uh, the Scarecrows themselves are, which are the mm, things that are meant correct. to be spooky. Uh, mm. Anyone who has ever looked at Mirror Entity uh, would probably understand this. <laughs> um, so, we'll have some Scarecrows, uh, we'll have some we'll have some Changelings, uh, but they're, they're sort of going to take a backseat to the main theme of this deck, which is going to be uh, playing off of Shadowmoor's Eternal Night motif, and the lore behind Reaper King, where he sort of comes out uh, uh, during uh, the, I guess, like the peak hours of the night <laughs> to to wreak havoc upon things with his uh, scarecrow cronies. <laughs> um, I see what you did there. So in a ve- yes, uh, in a very recent uh, set, Midnight Hunt, uh, we actually got a mechanic where we can turn it to night, literally. In the game, uh, mm. whenever a player takes a turn off of casting spells, and it will stay night as long as no one casts more than one spell per turn. Now, what you're probably hearing from this is just more werewolves tribal, because werewolves had daybound, nightbound, and sure, um, having some werewolves to sort of initiate the daybound, nightbound sequence as long, uh, alongside the Celestis would probably uh, be included in this deck. But the direction I wanted to take this more in uh, for the Eternal Night theme, so if, if we're saying Eternal Night, night, night will remain as long as a player does not cast more than one spell per turn, uh, we're going to want to turn this into sort of like a stacks build. And <laughs> what this does differently, in, in particular than uh, Werewolf Commanders, is, uh, as Julian mentioned, uh, Reaper King is a five-color deck, so we're going to be able... To, to leverage a lot of these stacks pieces that don't really exist in red-green. Uh, don't get me wrong, you still have cards like Winter Orb that could exist in like a Tovalar stacks build where you're trying to do the same thing, but in white you've got all sorts of spells that literally say uh, players cannot cast more than one spell per turn. Um, Aether Sworn Canonist, Archon of Emeria, Eidolon of Rhetoric, Rule of Law all accomplish this sort of thing. And so the goal of this deck is going to be uh, play creatures, uh, 
play stacks, uh, keep keep it night as long as possible, uh, so that the Reaper King's reign can uh, can can last as long as uh, you want. Uh, yeah, so a little bit of a different angle there, I guess. But uh, I, I try to tie. I mean, in mechanically. Uh, more that sounds a, that sounds uh, a crazy stack sack sounds pretty spooky to me. Yeah. Oh yeah, it'll scare your opponents, no doubt. No, no doubt. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. Yep. They're like, oh boy, the Reaper King. I heard about this deck. It's going to be a bunch of you know Halloween references. And then you're like, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Rule of law. <laughs> Oak, oh, Oak's man. coming through, and they leave. <laughs> People are giving out candy, and he just takes the whole thing. He's like, no, no, no. This zero sum game for this yep. candy. I'm giving out <laughs> vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so I think uh, this is a tough one. I think I have to side with Mummy on this one because of how I was going about this with horror, and that's been the theme for a lot of this stuff. Um, there was a, a issue with wording. So we'll take it up with the, the Wolfman's representatives after this, where when I said describe the perfect Halloween-themed commander deck, um, I was looking more for, you know, like spooky, scary skeleton vibes, um, <laughs> even if even if there's candy involved. Plus, we're, we're too old to trick-or-treat at this point. But don't worry. Um, well, I mean, I think so. I'm not going to try. Uh, we, we do have our bonus question this time around. Uh, we'll oh, let I can't Wolfman believe I just get it. punished for being creative. I was that was the one the one question where I was like, I got this. Like I got a great ah. idea. Let's go. Damn. You bastard. All right. Give, well, give, unfortunately, give, give, us, you give didn't. us the uh, um, give us we, the bonus. We got the Fuck we got it. the bonus question. Let's go into Wolfman first. Before the pumpkin, what vegetable was used to carve jack o' lanterns? It's got to be like a like a gourd. I think that's the only thing that could get big enough that you could actually carve it. No, sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I had to think. I was like, "Does this classify?" Um, Oakley, <laughs> the mummy goes to you. Um, I'm gonna go with the only other fruit or food I can think of that can get that big and say watermelon. <laughs> Well, that would be hilarious. Um, the answer is actually a turnip. Oh. <laughs> there are some truly terrifying images of, like, they would do oh. more... You know those types of uh, jack-o'-lanterns you see where it's, like, more carved into the face of the pumpkin? And then, like, less about just the, you know, generic triangle and circular-shaped holes? They would carve faces into a turnip, and they would, like, bleed red. And they're truly horrifying. Yep. And you're like, yeah, okay, that's that's from a different type of Halloween than the kind that gives candy. I, I but, hate um, all of that. that that yeah. does ring a bell, and I feel like when the turnips dry out, too, their faces get like, uh, you know. They're very... a bit, they look a little bit like shrunken heads, yeah. I think. Yes, yeah. exactly. Jesus. Exactly. So, I can see that, but damn. All right. Going Oak, into Also, two... for the record, watermelon's not a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, man. It was like big. Big takes priority. Yep. Uh, going into our, our fourth one, maybe, maybe Wolfman will find redemption here, given my favorite tribe. Um, this is for the best tribe on Innistrad and why. Uh, I obviously picked werewolves, so I tasked everyone with picking different ones. Lore-wise, I think werewolves are the best because they were integral to the plot, both in OG um, Innistrad and for stopping the, the whole sun thing uh, happening in Midnight Hunt. They like did their best to kind of come in at the last minute, 
um, to crash the party and kind of stop some of the bad forces that were trying to block out uh, Innistrad's sun. And then in a second set, um, where the sun was kind of put out, they stopped the wedding. They came in and jumped through windows. So, question? What? what weren't they trying to make the sun go away so that they could always be werewolves? That makes so much more sense. I know in the second one they broke up the wedding, though. Yeah, because they hate vampires, but I, right. I'm pretty sure... I don't think Tovalar was like... They... I don't. I don't know if they care, like if they're human, but the vampires just straight up die in the sun, right? So. Yeah, I I thought it was more <laughs> vampire based that was doing it. Um, we'll we'll get a. Okay, I'll uh, add we'll, an we'll come to back to it. We'll I, come back while to I do this. it. Yeah. Um, hey guys, Chev here. It pains me greatly to say that Julian was correct during the events of Midnight Hunt, which was the first Innistrad set of 2021. The wolves were not on the side of humanity. Uh, they were specifically trying to maintain the Eternal Night and prevent the Dawnheart Coven from returning the day-night balance of Innistrad. Uh, Tovalar was leading the Dire Pack, which was opposed by the Gatewatch and Arlen Cord. During Crimson Vow, they do take the good guy's side, uh, coming in to save the plane from vampires because, again, as Julian pointed out, werewolves really hate vampires. Anyway, back to the show. And I have to focus on the lore bits uh, because mechanically we we don't talk about werewolves. That's that's the end of this bit. <laughs> um, Mummy to you for uh, the best tribe. My pick for the best tribe on Innistrad is going to be the spirits. So mm. here is my take. I can tell you're already displeased with that <laughs> choice. <laughs> um, here's my take on why I think the spirits are really cool. Um, I think... Uh, we, we have yet to see a set focus specifically around uh, any of the tribes, uh, or, uh, sorry, any spirits on Innistrad in particular. Uh, we've seen humans, werewolves, vampires, Eldrazi, even. We do love um, some Eldrazi. But nothing uh, about spirits in particular, and that's because um, I think there's sort of a uh, force on Innistrad that is neither uh, truly evil nor good. And they're also immune to a lot of the normal problems that sort of plague Anistrad. They can't really get... I mean, like, lore-wise speaking, obviously, creatures, you know, can, like, collide with each other in, in the actual right. game of Magic the Gather. They have a physics um, engine, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, they're immune to lycanthropy, vampirism, undeath, uh, Eldrazi-fication. And uh, this sort of makes them just, like, a neutral player in, in the whole scheme of things. But... Um, despite that, s s I guess, slightly mundane or boring uh, aspect of them, uh, what I what I do like a lot is that uh, spirits uh, can come from any living thing, uh, hmm. and this, I think, really increases the design space and complexity of a lot of them, where you have more humanoid ones like Rattle Chains and Toppelgeist, and I mean, even Toppelgeist doesn't really even look human, it's just kind of got a like, yeah. vaguely human form. Two more like Mausoleum Wanderer, which is like, I don't know what that's a spirit of. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think the design space is really cool. I kind of like them as a ominous background presence uh, on Innistrad, and I think they get slept on compared to the um, compared to the four, I guess, big ones. I'd say, which right. are human zombies, vampires, and werewolves on Innistrad. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's that's a... Um, I, I like that take. I like it. Uh, Wolfman, what do we got? 
Well, I think a lot of what Oak said applies to me. Um, I'm also dealing with what I would like to say is a, an ominous background presence. Uh, I'm taking the other side of death. I got the zombies. These zombies are going crazy out here. And I think that, especially since we saw in the most recent return to Innistrad, I was very focused on werewolves and vampires. And in the uh, second Innistrad block, we obviously had all of the Eldrazification coming in. Uh, but something that's just always been a total banger on Innistrad has been the zombies. We got the all the original crazy zombies with things like Grimgrin. Uh, we got mm -hmm. the uh, decayed mechanic in the most recent block. Um, and not only do I think the zombies are cool lore-wise, but also um, maybe a bit more than spirits and definitely more than werewolves, uh, there's some powerful cards and some cool design space that I think they've really hit too. I'm thinking things like Rooftop Storm is just a crazy card. Um, but I also love the zombies. Uh, like you said, they can, like Oak was saying, uh, sorry, like the mummy was referencing with spirits, uh, they can come from anything. So we've seen all sorts of various zombies, though most mm -hmm. of them are humanoid in some form. But I also like that... Uh, Basically, uh, Gisa and Garolf are kind of yeah. just controlling, like, the whole zombie... You can't say that they're, like, an organization because zombies don't really have much going on up top, you know? <laughs> but, like, yeah, they, they just, like, run the whole thing. Whole yeah. thing. yeah, and um, and also, not only do they have, like, zombies, just, like, normal, classic zombies and stuff. Um, and I will say, we've had zombies all throughout Magic ever since the beginning, but the ones on Innistrad are some of the gnarliest and just most rank and disgusting, whack-looking zombies you've ever seen, which I do think is nice. And part of that is all the experimentation that's been going on by um, mainly Garolf, but also Gisa as well, with the things like the scabs, which are basically these uh, stitched-together uh, zombie... Right, Frankenstein. Fra yeah. Just abom abominations, really, yeah. Mm. Um, almost, almost. There's almost some human centipede-style stuff going on there. Um, so those things are nasty. I think they're super cool. And um, also from a design space, uh, this is kind of where we really get zombies as have now expanded all the way out into Esper. But the original Innistrad, we got, I, I believe, our first blue zombies or some of our first blue zombies and a lot of that support as zombies being not only a mono black tribe, but a Demir tribe. So mm -hmm. I'm huge on the zombies. I think they're sick. And of course, also, uh, even though they did... Uh, fight against Emrakul, I think the whole Liliana coming through and basically raising every zombie on Innistrad to be kind of like the only force that can fight against, uh, other than the yeah. spirits, the spirits were there too, uh, but the only force to kind of fight against the Eldrazi menace, I think that was also uh, pretty sick as well in the lore. So, zombies. Yeah. So, with these two, I think I have to go with Wolfman and the zombies. Um, I think the spirits were pretty cool. I think it would have been closer uh, Mummy, if you had mentioned that during the battle with Emrakul, the spirits weren't neutral, they specifically teamed up with human hosts hmm. and possessed them to help them stave off the um, Eldrazi influence. Because, like, more of them were turning into weird monstrosities, and, like, the Geist of Saint Draft, Saint Staffed? Draft? What Saint Draft. Draft. Yeah. Saint Draft. Um, was like, yo, can we like team up for a second so I can smack some people around? And whoever was leading the humans at the time was like, sure. So there was like that element where, you know, normally they do their own thing, but they're like, all right, this seems like it could be a problem for all of us. <laughs> I didn't know that, um, actually. Yeah. Cool. It, it, I, I only remember it because I dug through so much Innistrad lore to prepare for that one episode last time. Um, <laughs> and and to, to Wolfman's point, I also really like how we have Gisa with the sort of reanimator clan, and there's that way to bring about zombies, and then Geralt with the Stitcher. Because there's also Ludovic, which is like, I think, the number one Stitcher. And so Garolf has like reached out to him a bunch of times. And we have Ludovic's Opus uh, from one of the commander sets as well. So a mm -hmm. bunch of cool stuff. That even brought zombies to red. 
So we've, we've even had uh, Grixis zombies, and then we saw some... I think white was primarily on Amonkhet is where we saw the white uh, yes. zombies. Yeah. That really brought them in. Um, but we now have four-color zombies, so we're really just waiting for green ones. Maybe they're plants or something. Oh, I guarantee there's some green-black zombies. At least, Eagle, right, like some of, the, yeah. some of the old ones. Um, I'm trying to think of... I, I don't think I have a, uh, a an extra question for this one, which makes the... The going into the the fifth and final question, a little bit more intense. We're tied at 2-2, Mummy and Wolfman. And the final one, and probably the most intense, so everyone strap in for for some longer longer answers. This one was to design a horror movie or character-centric secret lair with, you know, four existing cards getting new art and names. We're not talking about functionally unique. Uh, We're not expecting a new um, Fantastic Pants. But we're thinking, you know, similar to the secret layer we got a little while ago that I think both uh, Wolfman and I did purchase, the sort of cool-looking, um, like, horror movie posters that got, like, oh, yeah. a grave call- crawler, a beast within. Um, they, were, they were super awesome. And I think there's a few more coming in the advent calendar uh, or, or the, the 30 Days of December uh, secret layer that's coming out. But for this, we were thinking, you know, what, what would another horror-based uh, secret layer look like? And so... For mine, I picked Freddy versus Jason. Now, Freddy Krueger from the the Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, notable villain, uh, Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th, they have a couple, uh, not team-up movies because they're against each other. They're very campy, very cheesy, pretty awful, but a ton of fun. Um, And I think that this would make a great, you know, four-card secret lair, marketed as kind of like who would win between the two. You get some cool art between the two of them kind of like fighting. Uh, in this, there is two equipment, one belonging to each of the, the two title monsters. Champion's Helm, which is that uh, three-mana, $20 um, equipment from one of the commander sets. Gives creature plus two plus two and hexproof if it's legendary. I'm thinking that's the mask of Jason. You know, that, that really cool uh, hockey mask. Kind of mm. like how the, with both um, Michael Myers and Jason, there's a lot of power and you know, mythos tied to their masks. And so I was thinking, you know, this mask provides both invulnerability to, you know, regular attacks or gunshots or knife wounds, and it just makes them more powerful. So that was kind of where the the mask of Jason was coming from. For uh, Freddy Krueger, we took Commander's Plate and we're turning it into Striped Sweater, which not only is ridiculous, but imagine equipping your creature with a red and green sweater that just gives it protection from a ton of stuff. And this Similar, you know, um, Freddy gets a lot of power when he's in the dream realm, um, but not quite complete invulnerability if you know where to kind of the the chinks in the armor are. So I thought this was a good example. So this is, you know, to exemplify what what each of them brings to the table in terms of their powers. And then their home turfs or turfs. I don't know. Turf is probably turfs, T-E-R-F-S. Anyway, Mm. for uh, Jason, we have Mirin the Moaning Well kind of coming in as Camp Crystal Lake. You know, you're sacrificing creatures, you're killing the teenagers, you're gaining all that life and power because of it. Uh, and for, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street, we have Elm Street, which is Shizo Death Storehouse, kind of giving it uh, your, your creature fear and stoking the fear of everyone who lives on Elm Street. Uh, that's kind of their big thing. And so the idea being, you know, between these two uh, cards for each side, which one comes out on top when you pit them to, against each other? And that's what you're hoping people buy it for. But what they don't know is there are two bonus cards. We got Freddy and Jason themselves coming in as Commander 2021, or I think Commander Crimson Vow um, partners, Lorin the Diversion, 
and Camber the Plunderer. Because, you know, while they're against each other, at some point they realize they work better together. We've got Freddy as Lorraine the Diversion, um, who I think it's tap to sacrifice an artifact or creature, goad target creature. Um, so, you know, Freddy is haunting these nightmares. He's making the, the people scared. Uh, he's causing them to kind of act out. They're not sleeping. They're scared of sleeping. They just go crazy. At which point, Jason comes in as Camber the Plunderer. And whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, you get to make a blood token. And so Jason's out there, you know, hitting everyone who kind of runs out into the night without thinking. So they work well together. They've got some great armor. Um, that's that's my my amazing, cannot be beat secret lair. But I'd love to see what, what the two of you can do. So uh, Wolfman, what do we got? Well, I talked about this earlier, but I uh, I was really on one when it came to Alien for this. So mine is a uh, mine is Alien. First <laughs> off, first off, uh, we're gonna go for chest burst. I think, like you were saying earlier, Chip, one of the most <laughs> iconic scenes in that is when we first get the Alien just coming out. And uh, I was looking for the technical name of those, and they were called the chest bursters. So since this is not a creature, it's an instant. I'm going for chest burst. This is a Malakir Rebirth. Uh, I think Ooh. a card that is quickly becoming a staple almost as much as things like um, Balagad Recovery are, yep. especially in uh, you know, especially in budget decks as well. Although it's getting close to that five dollar mark, so I think a yeah. reprint like this uh, would be nice. And if you look at the art on Malakir Rebirth, um, the little dudes who are coming out kind of look like the chestbursters. Uh, so <laughs> I think you could, I think you could definitely make a zoomed in and more sensational and. Uh, I don't know what the gore restrictions are in terms of magic cards, but you can make something pretty gnarly in terms of that. Uh, next up, let's go for the crew. We've got, of course, Warrant Officer Ripley, uh, Sigourney Weaver, <clears throat> the legend. And uh, I decided to go for a... Uh, this is not... We'll get to the money picks, uh, but this one is... Um, <laughs> uh, this one is just... Uh, Ripley is so badass in that movie. One of the first like great, iconic, and strong female leads. So I had to go with Jaya Ballard, Task Mage. Uh, I know a personal mm. favorite of the mummy, actually. And um, that's because, one, obviously, Jaya Ballard, Total Boss, uh, classic. But also, I think probably the s second most iconic scene in that movie is uh, Warren Officer Ripley with the flamethrower. And if there's one thing that Jaya Ballard does, it's throw flames. Also, all throughout, all throughout that movie, Ripley's just got guns. She's just always popping off. So I figured uh, having Jaya Ballard just having various ways to throw damage around and destroy things uh, is, mm -hmm. is only right. Now, of course, this is a secret layer, so we have to uh, we have to get the money in somewhere. And of course, let's talk about the alien, the first sliver. Uh, yep, all slivers you okay. control have cascade as well as the first sliver. Um, not only do the slivers in general kind of give me that alien vibe, especially the first sliver. It was it was hard to pick between which one, uh, but I think the first sliver is right in that logistically wise, right in that sweet spot where it's like a thirty dollar card. Um, but it's a newer card. I don't think you could print something like Sliver Queen. That's like two hundred dollars. I think that's reserveless. Um, yeah. yeah, it might be reserveless. That's it. But um, but it's all. I think it's uh, just the right amount of power level and the right amount in terms of monetary value. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, thematically, I'd like to think right. This is the Harbinger, right? We had the alien, right. and then we saw in the movie there is there's obviously more aliens to come. And after it was such a commercial success, we got aliens and uh, all the other sequels that it spawned. And I, uh, now now I'm kind of thinking. Another sick one would be now that you did the uh, the crossover is there was a series of Alien versus Predator movies, and <laughs> that as a secret layer would yeah. probably be pretty Ooh, baller. Bonus well. card Predator, okay. Yes, uh, I do. I do have a fifth card, but it is is not Predator. It's uh, hmm. it is still within uh, my points. final. My, 
My, my final main card is uh, Science Officer Ash, who is the android. And for that, I'm going with Phyrexian Metamorph, which is mm. an artifact and can enter as a copy of any creature or artifact, right? So it's kind of playing that, uh, that, dual, that dual version. I was debating doing something like Evil Twin, uh, but Phyrexian Metamorph seems a little bit more potent. Yes. And then my, my final pick was uh, I, wanted to add, I wanted to include the ship itself because it's kind of a character on its own in that movies. So uh, Nostromo, the commercial space tug. Unfortunately, there's none of the freaking vehicles are that good, really. Um, I, I'm surprised you can't take one of the Warhammer ones because a bunch of those are already just badass spaceships. You could. Uh, it just... For me, that felt weird because we're already like doing Universes Beyond with that and then to Universe Beyond... U- universe, universe Beyond, beyond, universe beyond you know? That's fair, that's fair. I was... <laughs> I will say, uh, initially, I was debating doing... Um, uh, I believe the captain's last name is Scott, Captain Scott. Um, him as, I had that idea, I was like, what if I made him Rick's steadfast leader? Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, for Nostromo, commercial space tug, I just decided to do the weather like completed. It is a vehicle. It felt about the right size and magnitude, and also it's got that kind of lurking evil right. infectedness yeah. of being Phyrexian, um, where we have the, the infestation of the aliens on the ship. So All right. Beautiful. Mummy, floor is yours. <clears throat> well, um, so for mine, uh, for my secret layer, I decided to go a little bit off the cuff since I know we've already had a uh, monster movie marathon uh, mm-hmm. secret layer uh, in the past. And what I wanted to focus on for this secret layer uh, rather than movies was uh, horror short stories across the past two centuries. Mm-hmm. Um so probably uh, starting starting as far with as far back as uh, possible, and probably the most easily recognizable one is uh, Frankenstein. Uh, we, of course, the two characters in that uh, are Doctor Frankenstein, what the the actual namesake Frankenstein comes from, and what most people refer to as Frankenstein, uh, that being Frankenstein's monster. Um, I find personally uh, to be perfectly encapsulated by the recently printed uh, Ludovic Necrogenius, and arguably the much better printing of Ludovic, mm. who uh, on his uh, front side is Ludovic, and on the back is Olog's Olog uh, Ludovic's hubris. I don't know what happened to Crom uh, Ludovic's opus, but uh, I guess he wasn't quite as important. Uh, maybe Ludovic <laughs> didn't like red all that much. <laughs> But, yeah, um, and, and sort of a theme going into actually all of these is going to be um, multiple faces or multiple arts, more specifically, mm-hmm. since uh, I don't think any of these cards ha- hold a particular lot of value, except maybe a token that we'll be getting into later. Um, but uh, with, you know, double, even if it's only four cards, you can still squeeze uh, eight sweet art pieces out of it if Mm -hmm. uh, you sort of, like, stretch the imagination a little bit. So, Mm. that was Frankenstein by Mary Shelley that came out in uh, originally in 1818. Uh, The next one I'd like to talk about is uh, another classic uh, uh, short story called The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, And the card I have to encapsulate uh, this short story, which is about a man lamenting over a lost lover and a raven sort of mocking him, is Alrund, God of the Cosmos, yeah. uh, <laughs> who um, 
is on his own a one-one. Don't pay attention to his uh, special abilities. I, w I I thought was kind of nice for a, a mundane person. Also, don't pay attention to the fact that he's a legendary creature god. Um, <laughs> but uh, so on the front would be uh, the student. He's unnamed in the story. Uh, Lenore's lover, as I would have dubbed him. Uh, and on the back would be the raven, uh, who is constantly mocking him uh, throughout the short story. Uh, that was, yep, uh, by Edgar Allan Poe in 1845, so big time skip later. <laughs> um, we get another, uh, I guess at this point, very famous uh, horror short story artist, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, and the card I wanted to focus on particularly is Merrill Slumber, and the token mm. that comes with it of Merit Lage, which I think uh, very uh, accurately reflects uh, sort of the theme of Call of Cthulhu, which all, is all about this dead sleeping god uh, that is awoken by a, I believe, um, it's just an average person uh, generally, but who's... Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Who's, who's mm. a relative or something like that had been into mythos, and then you get into all sort of cosmic horror. Cthulhu, of course, is Lovecraft's probably most well-known uh, creature, and he's most often um, depicted as a cosmic horror with, uh, like, many eyes, all these tentacles, just massive size, <laughs> um, and just, just sort of like an unknown, unknowable form, uh, which we can obviously see in the Merrill Lage token, uh, though... Um, I, I'd imagine, I guess, the actual token of Cthulhu uh, being similarly uh, obfuscated. <laughs> <laughs> so that was 1928, and then finally, um, up in 1967, uh, a man named Harlan Ellison released a short story called I Have No Mouth and I Much Scream, which, fun fact, was turned into a point-and-click adventure video game later. <laughs> um... But this story is all about a uh, rogue AI that kills uh, all of humanity except for, I believe, five um, people. Um, and the AI itself sort of lives a tortured existence, and it more or less gets its jollies by torturing the last remaining humans on Earth, Earth which it has uh, prevented from... or essentially made immortal and prevented from uh, killing themselves. So... To represent this card, uh, the main character of that story, Ted, uh, is ultimately the last person uh, of the group that survives. Um, he, in in the story's, I guess, climax, uh, he ends up killing all of the other uh, main characters in order to free them from AM's uh, continuous torture, and only ends up being uh, captured by AM before he can kill himself. Um, so, I, I thought this sort of went along with what Selfless Glyph we were trying to do. Um, rather than making all of the his friends indestructible, he actually does the opposite. Uh, more like what's on the back of the card, but the back of the card, Deadly Vanity, which uh, involves destroying all the creatures and planeswalkers uh, except for one of your choice, I thought sort of uh, accurately mm -hmm. depicted AM's genocide of humanity. So, that's my secret lair. And uh, I don't think the uh, prices of any of these cards are going to skyrocket, except maybe that uh, Merit Lage token. token, or, or, or come <laughs> down in price, because I think they're all less yeah. than a dollar uh, at the moment. <laughs> but uh, I think it would be neat nonetheless, and uh, I thought especially getting uh, all eight of those arts would be 
primo oh. uh, value out of a secret layer. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like that shit. That was cool. Yeah, that was definitely out of the box way to take it. Wolfman, I'm I, I'm sorry. I think the mummy has got it with the, <laughs> the literary adventures with. You know, three of them being in the public domain, too, so you can just put them onto the cards like we saw with the recent Niles Ham Secret Lair 2, and you can put, like, a quote, like a raven saying nevermore, which is going to get everyone their jollies. I think I have to give this point to, to the mummy, but we have not one, but two bonus questions, because I had one the last time, but I forgot what it was, and now I remembered. So, the first question, we'll give, we'll give Wolfman first Take up both of them. The first one, Wolfman. In the original Friday the 13th, mm. who is the killer? Jason's mom. That is correct. In the first movie, Jason is not the killer. So hopefully you paused if you haven't seen it yet and went to watch it. I apologize <laughs> for spoiling a 1980s movie. Um, and now we come down to our final question before I have to think of another one for a tiebreaker. Uh when Night of the Living Dead, the 1960s movie, was first released, what was a big issue? Wolfman, you first. What, yeah, when you say like an issue, like oh, people were writing stories about this because the, the issue was with the the film itself. Oh, um, okay. I have not seen this, so something like it was supposed to be in color, but it was in black and white. No, but that's that's like the the track that I was kind of going for. Hmm. Um, Mummy. Uh, maybe it had the wrong frame rate or something uh. like that. Yep. No, it, it's similar. So the the problem was they released it without the copyright trademark. So hmm. the second that they showed it in theaters, it entered the public domain, hmm. and that's why there's so many. That's why you can find it on YouTube. That's why there's so many different editions of it. Because they didn't put the, you know, registered trademark of MGM Studios or whatever. So it, it just instantly was released and everyone could um, could use it. That's actually kind of hilarious. <laughs> it's it's amazing. So, and, like, so many times you see, like, special edition released for $30. Because they're like, please, please let us get money for this movie. <laughs> Dang. J D Chev, here's a question for you. All right. Do you know what the original budget was for that movie? No, it's probably, like, 20 bucks. Uh, I'm just going to look it up because I don't actually know, but I'm just wondering how much of a loss it's like took. low million. It's very cheap. It said it is um, 114,000 USD back then, yeah. which is equivalent to uh, about 950,000 today. Wow. That's, that, I mean, that's, that's definitely cheap for a movie. Okay. Listen, apparently it says, apparently it is grossed 30 plus million dollars uh, or equivalent to $250 million mm -hmm. in 22 2022 dollars damn so they made their money back well they sort of made their money back i suppose <laughs> i don't know where the i don't know where that money was has been going but all right so we've we've got a we've got a another question um since we're tied at three three now um uh and and this kind of relates back to a, a previous question i've already asked so so that's your hint um it's going to go to mummy first who directed the original halloween Looking for a specific name here? Yes. Hmm. Specific? Um, yeah, specific name. Okay. I think it would be unfair to change expectations now. Uh, I'm going to go with Mike Myers. 
<laughs> he was behind the camera the whole time. That's not entirely untrue for, for a different reason I'll, I'll say later, but uh, goes to you, Wolfman. I, I, I also do not know, uh, so I'm just going to take a guess at like one of the more prolific directors. Was it randomly Steven Spielberg? No, unfortunately it was not. It was John Carpenter. Who oh, later went on to direct the dude. thing, yep. which is yep. why they're they're in both of the the movies. Oh. The reason I said uh, that it's not entirely untrue is because a lot of the people on set of the original Halloween. Also, if you haven't seen the the show on um, Netflix, the movies that made us, they did a special horror movie behind the scenes for a bunch of the classics. Super good, super fun to watch. But the thing is, a bunch of different people played the shape, which is the name of Michael Myers throughout that first movie so whenever they needed someone it was largely the same guy but sometimes they had to get someone else behind it and it was just a member of the crew who had to just put on this sweaty face and just run around and, and be creepy um okay half a point <laughs> my eye hey, 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 i don't think hey, i can hey, do that hey, hey, right. hey, uh, right. we're going down the the trivia rabbit hole uh before we we have to just do something else instead for our, our listeners sake we'll we'll ask one more um which <laughs> big time actor made their um like film debut in um friday the 13th this will go to to wolfman first i think i know this is wrong because i think it's a different one but is it jamie lee curtis no that's that's halloween Dang it. mommy um the guy that plays uh ferris bueller <laughs> Uh, no, it is actually Kevin Bacon shows up oh. for the first time in uh, that movie. But I've, I've decided what we're going to do instead, since uh, this has all been on the spot already. <laughs> we're going to put it up to the listeners, because why not? We have those, so we should use them. Yep. Um, listeners, you've heard the, the arguments for um, Wolfman with the secret lair based on Alien, a Halloween-themed Halloween deck, which tragically lost somehow. Um... All these other things that have been described versus Mummy with a literature-based secret lair, um, a very scary uh, scarecrow and Eternal Night-themed um, Halloween deck, as well as some other uh, creatures and stuff. So which of these two people do you think should win a signed jack-o'-lantern card? Because we're here to give away dumb things, and I think I have one of those in my bulk box. So between Mummy and Wolfman... Wait, who's the, who's the jack-o'-lantern signed by? I was like, it's signed by me, obviously. <laughs> but it'll, but it sure. will say, it will say Pumpkin King uh, 2022 on it because there's no better way to celebrate than a signed card uh, depicting you as Jack Skellington. So we'll leave it up. We'll put up a poll at the end of this. It'll just say Mummy or Wolfman um, with no other hints. So maybe someone else will just get in there with their their love of the classic monster movies, and we'll see what you got. Uh, that's the Hex Drinker Show. We're we're still looking for advertisers. Follow us on Patreon if you want this episode and all the shenanigans early. Uh, buy cards using our affiliate link on TCG Player. And happy Halloween.